When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil and Kyle start a podcast, and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence, it's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyge. And I swear we we weren't supposed to have a two-week hiatus of Flagrant. <laughs> the, plan, the plan wasn't, let's come firing out of the gate, let's, uh, let's get Rudy Gobert in here, let's get Craig Kilborn on the show, and then let's just stop doing episodes for like <laughs> two weeks. That was, that was not the plan. Um, but uh, here we are. So two weeks of traveling for me and company trips and you were traveling and then yep. I got smoked with COVID about five days ago. I'm still testing positive in my COVID cave here uh, at my home studio, but uh, we are alive and we are back <laughs> to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves on our on our path as we as we urge the Wolves to win 50 games for the first time in 18 years. Kyle, welcome back. Yeah, it's uh. Seems strategic that you and Kirk Cousins both got COVID right before the football season, so you'll be all yes, you know, we are antibodies Over- are building up. But um, <laughs> it's not yeah. I mean, I got I was telling you before we recorded, like I got it in January and I was just trapped in a room for five days and it was tough. So you still sound like you're going through it, but hopefully you're on the upside now. It's uh, I went at one point because you know you just just like uh, my 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 wife is. She's got the upstairs part of the house. I've I've sort of been, been banished, uh, rightfully so, to the bottom half, and she'll she'll, she'll, she'll like make me lunch or dinner. Yep. yep. You know, slide a plate under. We've actually <laughs> exactly. we have a little back patio, so we have gone outside and spaced out to just eat outside and like yep. hang out and stuff. But uh, I was telling you off microphone. So I got I was on a two week sort of Midwest swing through Brainerd and through Milwaukee for a wedding in Chicago. So I was on the road for almost two weeks for uh you know I guess it was like. 15% uh, like wedding and family yeah. and stuff. But then the other, it was, it was company trips and meetings and stuff for Hubbard radio. And uh, I told the guys this on our Mackie and Judd and purple daily podcast. Sometimes it's a little ambiguous. Like, how did you get COVID? I don't know. You know, it could have been this, <laughs> that, that I was sitting on a flight from Chicago to Seattle. What are we record? We're recording this on a Thursday. So this is a week ago. And uh, I was in the, in the, the window seat, there was one open seat on the entire flight, and it was the middle seat next to yep. me. Yep. It's great. Yep. And uh, so there should be a rule, by the way, if there's a if there's a an open middle seat, I get 50% of the vote, and then the aisle person gets 50% <laughs> of the vote. 100%. 100 So the guy in the aisle, his wife was sitting across the aisle in the aisle seat, which is great, by the way. You both yeah. get aisle seats, and you can still talk to each other and stuff. And he asked the flight attendant, hey, can I come and sit in, can my wife come and sit in this row so we can sit right next to each other? Oh. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I kind of turned my head over like, uh, I don't get a vote here, buddy. Yeah. And so he moves over to the middle. She moves across the aisle, which, again, is ridiculous. And he spends four hours coughing <laughs> and blowing his nose into a handkerchief. A handkerchief, oh, really? which is the most disgusting okay. thing ever. He blows his nose, and this happened a dozen times. Like, blows his nose, like, you know, crinkles it up, shoves it in his pocket. 
of course, it's his left pocket, which is next to me. It can't even be his other pocket. So I'm sitting there just mortified. I don't know why I didn't say something at at any point during these proceedings. I'm sitting there thinking I am 100% getting COVID for the first time. Yep. And boom, like 24 hours later, I start to feel. I eventually went on Reddit and was checking out, you know, like, here are the 12 symptoms you may experience. I'm now in day five. I think I'm 11 for 12 so far. 16 of the 12, it sounds like. (laughs) That's, I mean, I don't know if you want to. I mean, I've been traveling a lot, too. And then I got, like, a couple Hawaii trips and a Vegas trip signed up. So, like. It, you know, as life gets more normal, you know, there's still like, you know, there's less mass and all that stuff, which whatever, but it's just, there's, everyone's going to be sick. So be careful out there. But also too, if we turn this into just an airplane podcast, um, that drives me crazy. The couples that are in the aisles, just sit there. It's aisles. Aisle seats are the best. Yeah. Like, why would you want to come in the middle? When we were flying somewhere recently, like a couple wanted to sit next to each other and no one wanted to give up their seats. So they sat in two aisle seats and just held hands the entire time across the aisle across the aisle and i was like yo i love my wife and there's no reason you got to do that man it's a two-hour flight just like you know put your hand i don't know just do anything just other than like the cart at one point like hit their hands and they're like oh i guess we have to let go of our hands it's like yeah dude like <laughs> be a douche. Just, your wife's gonna land with you you're fine um well i'm glad you're back though this is your M- mj week because you've been pumping out content left and right this is yeah you're gonna have to uh, uh, if i'm if i'm michael jordan flu game you're gonna have I to will, carry me carry like scotty pippen here <laughs> off the court so uh, there's a, a million things here that we could dive into, despite it being the dead of the off season. So let's let's yeah. just go through like we have a, a checklist of like five or six things from um, from the schedule coming out to the Wolves having a new uh, TV voice for Bally's replacing yep. Dave Benz, Michael Grady. So let, but let's start with this one. And and Canis Hoopas, your former uh, place of residence in the Wolves content sphere, has a write up about about this this week too. So the Kevin Durant trade talks are done. <laughs> He's staying in Brooklyn, and it's it's a little bit vague and ambiguous as to how this all went down, and they're all trying to present this united front, but ultimately we know that Kevin Durant tried to force his way out of the four years remaining on his contract. And the word is the Minnesota Timberwolves set the bar so high for what you need to ask for or what teams are willing to, you know, to settle for in a trade with the Rudy Gobert trade. The Wolves gave up so much for Rudy Gobert that it made it nearly impossible for anyone to acquire Kevin Durant. Are you buying that the Wolves the Wolves basically broke the NBA's trade value system um, and maybe helped themselves in the process by keeping Kevin Durant out of the Western Conference, or do you feel like this is all just a uh, myth? I, that is a great article over on Canis. My guy, Michael Hagan, wrote it. I think he referred to it as the big, bad Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, and I just think it's, I mean, it, this goes back to what we've talked about kind of ever since we started this pod is that it's just comical, right? Like, it's just comical that like the wolves are blamed for doing what was in their best interest, right? Like how many times have we seen big market teams get buyout guys for nothing or just like, I mean, everything is built for the East and West coast of the NBA, right? More than baseball, more than football. Um, so finally the wolves kind of, you know, disrupt the apple cart a little bit. And now everyone just is making themselves a sympathetic figure that, oh, we couldn't get any deals done because you made this outrageous price for Gobert. And it's kind of like awesome, right? Because at the end of the day, I still, th- I mean, the Durant thing is done for now, like you said, but I don't think it's actually done. Um, I think it, I think Phoenix had a chance to get him. Like I, I do. And I think if the Phoenix Suns get Durant, that's just a disaster because, you know, 
they're already probably pegged to finish higher than the Wolves anyway. But if they get Durant for another four years, it's just another team in the West that loads up. So um, do I think, you know, this is a conspiracy theory, conspiracy, Kyle. Like, do I think Tim Connolly did it on purpose? No, I don't think he tried to mess up the trade market. But I also just wonder, as they add 42 different people to their front office and they're all highly respected, if it's not at least something that they kick the tires on, be like, hey, what if we just like add a, a pick swap just to make this look even more expensive? And it does kind of slow down everyone else yeah. so that we can kind of catch up. So, I mean, was it on purpose? Probably not. But did it have ramifications that we're kind of seeing now? Probably. And that's kind of cool. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Like it is it is funny to I like the conspiracy Kyle angle. And anytime <laughs> conspiracy Kyle wants to make an appearance on flagrant house, he is more than welcome to. But um, so I, I kind of floated this hot take a few weeks ago, I think, on this show. And when we just kind of tap danced past it. But here here's what I don't get. People keep holding up the Gobert trade and the compensation saying, well, I mean, if if that's what it costs to get Gobert, can you imagine oh, right. what it would yeah. cost to get Kevin Durant, who's clearly, you know, and again, Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. He's probably still one of the five best players in the NBA. But let's unpack this for a second. Kevin Durant turns 34 years old in September. So before the season, he will turn 34 years old. Again, he tore his Achilles at age 31, missed an entire season. And uh, he's only played around 80, 85 games total the last couple seasons. So it's it's not like, like since the Achilles, and, and he was absolutely durable before the Achilles injury. I mean, he was, you know, there was a little load management there for a couple of years in Golden State, but he was largely playing most of the games before the Achilles right. injury. Right. Um, he is no longer Mr. Durable. He's 34 years old, and there's four years left on this super max contract that's going to take him until age 37, on the doorstep of age 38. Rudy Gobert is 30 years old, is one of the greatest defensive players in our lifetimes in the NBA. I think it's harder to quantify his value to a team when you're just watching games and stuff because so many of the things that he does are like, he's like preventing things from happening that right. might not always be scored as a block or a rebound or certainly a three-point shot. You can see Kevin Durant's impact on the court a lot more obviously than you can see Rudy Gobert's. And again, I am not saying necessarily that Gobert is a better player than Kevin Durant. But considering the age difference, considering Kevin Durant's recent lack of durability, the pain in the ass factor, and you know the age that they're both going to be at at the end of the contract, give me a 33-year-old Gobert over a 37-year-old Kevin Durant, Right. I actually think it's perfectly reasonable to suggest that 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 the trade packages should be equal or maybe you should have to pay more for Rudy Gobert. Is that too hot of a take? No, not at all. And and I think the pain in the ass factor is something that people are really scared to talk about because Kevin Durant is so online that he'll find you. Um so if he's <laughs> listening to this, he might get us as well. But uh I just, you know, Gobert wanted to be there. You don't know with Durant and how prickly he's been and just I mean when you want to get out of Golden State after winning multiple titles, like nowhere is safe, right? Like why would the Raptors give up Scotty Barnes if, you know, like they don't trust that Durant wants to stay there four years. Phoenix doesn't know if he wants to stay there four mm-hmm. years. Maybe he just wants to bounce around. So I think that's a good, a really good point. Also too, these same teams that are quietly bitching to Brian Windhorst or Zach Lowe, they never seem to make those same complaints when the Wolves have to pay 
1.5x for a free agent because it's Minnesota, right? The Wolves, again, we have agreed, overpaid for Gobert, but they had to. And I don't know if it's bitching so much about the price they paid or just the innovative nature, because that's one thing about this trade that I think will was intentional and will spur some sort of change is that the Wolves gave up. I mean, shout out to Patrick Beverly, but the Wolves gave up no players. Like they gave up, yes, names, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, but like didn't give up a blue chipper to get a Hall of Fame player, to get a all NBA player. And we don't really see that. So some of these teams are just like, we've never really thought of that. We've never thought of just giving up every pick we can and in, in not in keeping all of our young assets. Like that's what we're going to do. So that might be something too that just makes these front offices uncomfortable is that they've never really thought about making a trade like this without, you know, with having the ability to keep their Jaden McDaniels and their Anthony Edwards. Yeah. I love, I, I still love, you know, it's been what two months. It was the first weekend in July, I guess. Seems like it was and nine so, years ago. Yeah. It's been, <laughs> it's been like two months. I love that, uh, that Connolly just came in five minutes on the job, basically with full confidence and said, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to trade all of these feature assets yep. for Rudy Gobert. And, uh, it, and we are going to break the system we're going to blow people's minds. They're going to think we're crazy, but, but I'm going to confidently, I don't, I don't have to necessarily do something this bold. I could, I could just probably ride it out for one year and have a bunch of cap space and then be bold in a year from now. And then I'll have a better feel for everything in, in the organization. He came in and confidently said, no, this is the move. We're going to do this right now. But I think that, I think that's also something that no one else has really talked about is that he had the safest, easiest job in the world when he got hired. You're taking over for a low-end expectation team. They just made the playoffs. You got a bunch of good guys under contract. Um, That's what, I mean, that's what Tibbs did his first year, right? He just kind of like let it, he let the ingredients marinate themselves and see what he Mm -hmm. had. And then he kind of blew it up. Tim Connolly could have absolutely, I said in like May, this is the deepest team the Wolves have ever had at that time. He could have just let it ride for a year and then like, oh, you know what? We can't rebound. We can't defend. We need to do this. We need to do that. Um, and I think that's, again, not only did he just in five minutes blow it up and just push some chips in, he's convinced. I mean, they just did it again this last couple of weeks. They brought in another guy from Denver. Like, they just keep bringing in well-respected front office members to build this Avengers-like front office. And it's like, that's, I mean, these guys are putting their careers on the line to go in on this all-in bet. So, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. And I love to see, I just, as Michael Hagan said it, you know, it's just hilarious to see people think that the Minnesota Timberwolves now are like this big market team and, Everyone's complaining about them. It's it's hilarious. Uh, let's keep going down our checklist of of things to cover here. Uh, so the Timberwolves schedule came out since we yep. last recorded an episode, and uh, they will open the season on uh, Wednesday, October nineteenth, with two home games against Oklahoma City, and then uh, a day off on that on that uh, Thursday, and then the second home game is against Utah. So you'll get the Utah versus Rudy Gobert reunion there. Uh, what is as you look at the schedule here, and there's there's like six ESPN games. There's another one, two, three, four at least scheduled TNT games, and then depending on how you feel about NBA TV being a national platform or not. So there's a bunch of nationally televised games on here. What is your uh, biggest schedule take or takeaway? Yeah, sixteen total nationally televised games, but as you said, NBA TV is kind of hit or miss. Um. Jack Borman, who also writes at Canis, put out a tweet, and he like broke down by game sets, like every ten games, and in three of those ten, you know, ten game sample sizes, the Wolves have like the first or second easiest schedule in the league. It's actually really cool. He, it's a lot of colors and numbers if you go check out Jack's Twitter page. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the Wolves, 
you know, that OKC home opener on Wednesday was kind of cool because OKC's got a lot of young guys, including Chet Holmgren. Chet was going to be able to debut in front of, you know, the hometown fans. Um, And then, of course, this morning it was announced that he's out for the season with that Liz Frank injury, um, which also quick pivot RIP to any and all pro-ams because those aren't happening anymore. So uh, since we're down that side path for a second, so that that pro-am is right down the street. The the, the crossover is literally right down the street a mile and a half from where I live. And uh, we my wife and I, the morning of the actually it was the trending of the timing here. We drove down there. What's that? Night before, right? Because you texted me like, dude, I think LeBron's coming to town. <laughs> yes. So what well, we drove and then we drove down there kind of as it was happening just to scope out what was it? we didn't we were people were lining up the night before, like camping out mm-hmm. and stuff. So we weren't going to get in line or anything. And there's no air conditioning, which is why the cork got all <laughs> exactly. oversaturated. It was bad. But, uh, dude, there were tens of thousands of people just outside the arena waiting to get a glimpse of LeBron and some of these star players. So they've created a really fun vibe at this you know, Seattle Pacific, Jamal Crawford. This is this is the same pro am where Jaden McDaniels dropped like fifty two points and yep. was just showing ridiculous handles. I mean, it could have been him. It right. could have been it exactly. could have been any of these guys, you know? It's crazy. And and these pro ams, again, I know I kid, but like especially the one in Seattle, because I know a guy who helps put it on. And like they're big for the community, right? Seattle doesn't have an NBA team right now. So to get all these guys like Jaden and Paulo and Murray up there to like kind of represent their city and then to pull LeBron up. But it was also just weird because we are so, I don't know a better word to say, we are so horny for NBA content content in July <laughs> and August that when LeBron tweeted out the eye emoji, like I'm coming to Seattle, everyone was just amped as you should be. But no one was like, hey, is this a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> because all I know is like when Ant, if Anthony Edwards is doing pro-ams, I'd be having a stroke. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I just, I do wonder. I mean, I don't think he's going to lose any money off it. I think there's contract stuff that says, the NBA actually like approved these types of events, but I don't Chet Holmgren was, there's a lot of hype. That guy was going to sell a lot of tickets and for him to just instantly be out for a whole year um, is a bummer. And as you pull back to the schedule, um, it makes what I said was the Wolves first 10 game set is the easiest one in the league. What makes it even easier? Cause you get to play the thunder twice. And now they are going to be missing one of their two or three best players. So I thought overall, I was kind of impressed by the national TV games. Again, six of those, you might not even see, but um, it was recognizable. I mean, the Wolves had, I think, four last year, and three of them were on NBA TV. So clearly a Gobert bump, clearly the Anthony Edwards recognition, um, and a lot of home games to start this thing off. So my only, I guess, half fear is that, like, is this going to take a while to kind of figure out? Like, are they going to stumble out of the blocks just from a chemistry standpoint? Um so that could that could scare you, but at least you have the built-in thing of a lot of them are at home. A lot of them are against bottom Western Conference teams. So this team should really be able to sprint out of the gates and kind of be the team that everyone thought they were going to be when they traded for Gobert. Yeah, so I think it's 10 of the first 13 games are at home. And yep. I don't have yep. the... I don't have the Vegas over-under win totals here, but, I mean, you're dealing with most of the worst teams in the Western and even, yep. some case, Eastern Conference here. So Oklahoma City twice, Utah without Gobert, and they they might still tear it down even more. Uh, San Antonio back-to-back, both at home. The Lakers will get to the addition that they just made as well in the last 24 hours. Uh, you do have to play at Phoenix on November 1st, and then home against Milwaukee. That's a really tough stretch there. Yeah, but then you brutal. get Houston, the Knicks, or meh, and then that home game against Phoenix. So, 
Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway here is that they got snubbed on Christmas. I thought the Wolves oh, were a yes. lock to play yes. on Christmas Day. And yep. uh, they could, what are there, 10 teams playing on, a third of the league plays on Christmas Day. And you can't find room for the, the modern day Twin Towers. Disrespect. And I also, Twin Towers is good. I also, someone said the Target Centers. And I don't know why, but that one's really stuck with me because it's so good. nerdy. But um, yeah, I mean, it kind of made me lose hope that they'll ever have a, a game on Christmas um, because you're just never, I mean, it is about ratings still. And Christmas is all about like the casual fan. So it doesn't matter if you like the NBA or not, you're going to put the Knicks on it. So I don't know who the Wolves are going to beat out down the road. I mean, maybe Memphis, but Memphis had that Golden State kind of drama. So that's why they got thrown in. And then like Dallas, you know, I guess they'd have to lose Luka, but the Wolves might just never have a Christmas game, which is kind of unfortunate because I tweeted this up like you could market the hell out of that leading up to it with like ESPN's always done an ABC have always done really good commercials like there was that one many years ago where they used to wear the sleeves on their jerseys and like they shot three pointers and it was like to the two like the ball would go in the net at the tune of like some Christmas song and I was just like can you imagine if Anthony Edwards was dressed in a Santa costume reading like <laughs> the night before Christmas to Ant Jr. Yes. that would that would do crazy numbers so they missed they missed the mark on this, but I guess if you cover the team, you get to have one more day with your family if, if you like doing that. So it feels like a lifetime ago, uh, but the Timberwolves do have two Christmas Day games in their history. Do you remember really? them? Yeah. I, I honestly was talking to I think I was talking to Dana, but I thought it was zero. I have no idea. So and I, I if you would have asked me gunner that I was I think they I think it was one. Didn't they have okay. one like a few? So it's they played back to back Christmas Day games, two thousand sixteen. This was their first one. They played the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. And okay. I'm trying to think of, that was pre, was that Tom Thibodeau? What year was that? 2016-17. Okay. okay, so that would have been, yeah, I don't know. I've, oh, Tom Thibodeau was, this is the first year of Tom Thibodeau. Okay. And uh, KG had retired, so this was like the feel-it-out Tom Thibodeau year. Okay. And then I believe, so the next year then, they played the Lakers. They beat the Lakers on Christmas Day. 121 to 104 wow, that was, that and that was the okay. that was the Jimmy Butler okay playoff season so and how you quickly know, we forget about the, the Tom Thibodeau Tim Rolls era <laughs> it would again it, and it some of it does come into play of like the way they have all five games is like they start on the east coast and they kind of maneuver towards the west so the wolves are again in that weird central kind of area but i don't see why next year they couldn't sur- you know surpass denver if the wolves have a really good season or maybe dallas so there's still hope, but yeah, I mean, I think it's sad because I I do think that this is like, I mean, we've said this all the all summer, but this is the most exciting team they've ever had. Yeah. So to not get some of that kind of national TV buzz on the biggest day of the year is a bummer, but um, whatever. Yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm okay with them. Just you know, fly under the radar. They are on a road trip over the Christmas period, so it's not like they're gonna. I don't think maybe they get to go home for a day or something, but they have uh, a game at Boston on Friday night, December twenty third. And then technically they're off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but they play in Miami on Monday, December 26th. So they presumably have to fly into Miami on Christmas anyways. Spending Christmas at that uh, at Live in Miami will be a great way for Anthony <laughs> Edwards to, to celebrate the holiday. No, and I think uh, another one of the scheduling things, too, is that like the teams are traveling less. So I think the Wolves have six times where they play the same opponent, whether that be yes. on the road. Like they play Portland, which is a win for me, but like on a Saturday and a Monday, or they have a couple times or at home, they play the same opponent. So 
Yep. Um, and then in between those games, they're just kind of staying in cities more, not always traveling back. So that's part of the league's, you know, health and safety stuff, having them travel less miles. But um, I don't know, it could lead to some off the court content that could be fun to talk about. Yeah, I kind of I, I like that the league is doing this. Just yeah, same. It's it's kind of like what baseball does, which is let's, let's just just go to a city for a few days and <laughs> exactly knock these games out. Actually, be hilarious if baseball changed to uh, a more travel heavy schedule. Where all right on Tuesday you play at the Rangers, and then you <laughs> then you go to Houston <laughs> the next day, and then you get you know go back to the Rangers the next week. Um, you mentioned earlier in the show here uh, Patrick Beverly. Well, he was oh, traded yeah. this week to the Lakers. It's funny because. He actually said he was doing the ESPN stuff for two or three <laughs> yeah. weeks. He was on Get Up and First Take, and he was arguing with Stephen A. Smith and stuff. And on one of those appearances, I can't remember how it came up, but somebody asked him, like, you know, well, what, you know, talk about the Lakers, or whatever. He said, if I was on the Lakers, as con- as constructed, they would not only make the playoffs, but but they would be a Western Conference Finals team. I think it was Stephen A. And Stephen A. was pushing back, like, come again? And he said, yeah, they don't, besides LeBron, they don't have any leadership. They don't have anyone to sort of direct traffic and and tell them what to do. Now, the Pat Bev and uh, Russell Westbrook pairing is going to be an interesting one, assuming that Westbrook is still a Laker in a month or two from now. Yeah, it was definitely, it was, uh, it was definitely when he said they have no other leadership outside of Le- uh, LeBron. It was also just like Pat, I mean, Pat Bev just gets it. He's going to be so good at this when he retires, but it was also yeah. just a subtle shot at like Russell Westbrook um, and Anthony yeah. Davis yeah. and Anthony Davis. Yeah. But I mean, I think that the trade was, I guess, consummated today or officially announced today, the 25th, <laughs> but back on uh, August 14th, when the schedule was starting to leak, there was like a tweet by Shams that said the Lakers and Clippers will play on this certain date. And Pat Bev had like quote tweeted it with the prayer hands emoji. Oh. which was probably a sign that he already knew on the 14th of August that he was moving. Um, yeah. Pat Bev did not seem like uh, he was going to stay in Salt Lake City that long, so I think he's pretty amped. Um, and I actually think, I mean, I think, one, it's just a good basketball move for the Lakers because I think Pat Bev's you know, give-a-damn factor is much higher than the Lakers have had recently. But it also probably gives us some more content because I don't think you can have – I mean, those there's guys not liking each other, and then there's like Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook. Like, those guys yeah. – hate each other um so maybe it's a sign that there's a westbrook trade to come but it also is like if that's the case i've just written off the lakers in my you know my personal power ranking so if they go get some pieces and kind of dig themselves out of this i mean they gave up nothing for patrick beverly i think talon horton tucker is nothing in my mind so um they got a good piece and he's going to be a fantastic laker and the wolves actually play the lakers early in the season at minnesota or at minnesota but they also play the lakers October 6th in the preseason in Vegas. So that could be spicy. It could be fun. Um, but yeah, I think Pat Bev's going to really enjoy the Laker role. And once again, just Magic Johnson said it today. He's like, I hate Patrick Beverly until he's on my team. And that's kind of yes. how Timberwolves fans embraced Pat as well. Yeah, I will always have a soft spot now in my heart for Patrick Beverly. I think yep. it was preferably you, you could have kept him through the Mm-hmm. Different machinations of trades you could have pulled off. He wasn't necessarily an essential piece outside of, you know, for salary matching. But, you know, ultimately you had to find a chunk of money to to make it match. And yeah, so but but I, it was, you know what, probably better to get rid of Pat Beverly one year early than one year late. And I think, yeah, hopefully the value that he brought to the organization 
has rubbed off enough, and now they can kind of move forward. But, uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see how this Lakers thing plays out as well. But I will say on the on – the, Russell Westbrook is a – seems like, anyways, a big-time grudge holder. He, he gets offended by things. He takes things very personally. You know, he's got rabbit ears, any sort of criticism. Which I love. Sounds like me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just anyone who's ever tweeted you with any sort of cross-remark, yep, exactly. you've got a list. Pat Bev seems like the exact opposite. Where Oh, for sure. He's going to come in there and, hey, Russ, let's do it, man. We're teammates. Yep. Let's be buddies and uh, let's make this thing work. I don't, I don't think he... I don't think he holds those grudges quite to the same extent. So we'll see and, how it plays out. And I think just, from, I mean, I think the reason it probably wasn't going to work in Minnesota is regardless is I think they did want to put Jaden in the starting lineup, right? And I don't think Pat, Pat didn't want to come off the bench in Memphis, which he was probably right about. He wasn't going to come off the bench in Minnesota last year. So if that was the plan this year, that wasn't going to work. He doesn't want to play for a bad team like the Jazz. So the Lakers thing is like you're not going to start him and Westbrook in the backcourt together because that offensively is like, I mean, offensively, I think you and I could defend them. Um, defensively, they might be hounds, but uh, it just, to me, it signals more moves for the Lakers. It also kind of signals more moves for the Jazz with the whole Donovan Mitchell thing, and that has ramifications on Minnesota because they still have that 2026 pick swap, and it's like if the Jazz just embrace the tank for a couple of years, there's probably a good chance the Wolves won't have to swap picks down the road, which is kind of important because you have that hanging over your head. So Yeah. Uh, the Wolves did make a signing this week. Luca Garza, <laughs> one of the one of the great one of the great big men in Big Ten history. He was uh, a one of a second round draft pick with the Pistons in 2021. He was the twenty uh, second pick in the second round. And he did get some run last year with the Pistons. He played in 32 games, started five of them, uh, averaged 12 minutes a game. If you look at his per 36 numbers here, I'm going to stand for Luca Garza here for just a second. All right. If you look at his per 36 numbers, 17 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and uh, an effective field goal percentage of 50.3, which is pretty efficient. It's pretty efficient. He can play uh, a little bit. I, you know, they. I think they needed another big man somewhere in the mix. I don't know that he's going to wind up sticking or not, but I sort of like this. I stand for Luca Garza. I'm here for this. And if you have one of those old retro uh, Matt Garza Twins jerseys, you could maybe wear it to the first home game. Um, yeah, I mean, they just. This is kind of the Tim Connolly effect, though. Now, right? Like Luca Garza is not moving the needle, other than like for content purposes. But they have a bunch of guys coming into training camp deals that like. Maybe I mean I, I'm still kind of blown away that that Eric Pascal signed like kind of a training camp deal like um or a ten day like or a two way I should say like they're gonna have a bunch of other guys show up to training camp that are much more talented than like you know guys they pick up off the street so it should be it should lead to a really competitive training camp which is kind of what you want and maybe they discover you know uh maybe Garza goes and plays with the Iowa Wolves for a little bit but the more good people you're signing to come to training camp, the better. There's no way that this is a bad thing. Um, will he stick? Probably not, but um, he ha- he definitely has some skill. I think he played in the summer league this in Vegas, and I don't know. I caught like a half of the Pistons game. I think he was on the Pistons. He looked pretty good, so that's another nice little move. Tim Conley hasn't taken the whole summer off. And then uh, is it C.J. Ellaby? Is that the yeah, other signing, was, too? he was with the Blazers last year. He, uh, again, active body he's been playing i think in that seattle pro-am a little bit because he's from up here um yeah and again just another body to kind of throw into the mix and see if he can stick and 
get hot for you early on. But that the Iowa Wolves are going to be like like an Alabama football team. Like they're going to be so good because they're just going to have all these guys that probably didn't make the final roster trying to get some run with the G League. I love it. I love the dynasty that the Timberwolves are building, not only at the at the NBA level, but just organizationally all yeah. the way down to the... Did the Wolves ruin the G League will be the topic next week on, on, on first take. The Wolves have broken the system. It is, it is now impossible for any other G League team to compete yep. with the Timberwolves. Um, and then uh, on, the, on the broadcast front, Michael Grady was announced as the new Timberwolves TV voice and face for Bally Sports North. So he spent the last few years at the Yes Network in uh, New York, more specifically Brooklyn, as the Nets courtside reporter. He did some backup play-by-play. There's some clips floating around if you want to hear what he sounds like and he excited to call. Uh, I think there was a Kyrie Irving 50-point game that he that he uh, was yeah. the play-by-play man for. And he's done some other side hustle media gigs too here. But everyone, I've never met him before, but everyone that I've talked to to this point has raved about. I got an unsolicited message from someone who works, uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of all sports media, and he lives in New York and watches Knicks and Nets games all the time. And he's like, dude, this is a great hire for you guys. Yeah. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. But uh, congratulations to you guys. So uh, so everything I've heard has been raving reviews about Michael Grady. What did you think when you saw that? Yeah, and you know, my biggest thing was like, will Jim Pete like him? Because like Jim Pete's a legend. I think by all accounts, Jim Pete was pretty excited. Um, and it kind of fits everything we thought. We knew when they parted ways with Dave Benz that they were going to try to go big game hunting again on this topic. Um, I think there were maybe some names they probably reached out to before, just maybe unattainable people. Um, but I think they kind of didn't settle by any means, but they got a guy who like kind of studied under Ian Eagle, who was one of the goats and uh, was also like very kind of Swiss army knife during his time in Brooklyn. Like he did, you know, like you said, like post game, pregame sideline stuff, like he kind of did it all. Um, and by all accounts, he's just like an awesome guy who I think you also just want to like throw into the deep end of like the community. He's going to be really active in Minneapolis and with a bunch of charities and stuff. So I think it's going to be really cool. And for the stuff that matters to fans is like, he was also really good calling games. Like he has a lot of passion. He's really smart. So uh, I'm, as I say, and I'll say this again until something happens, I'm just kind of waiting for like new ownership to like stumble and mess something up. Yeah. Um, but this again, seems like, a really good move to pair with a bunch of other, you know, really good moves. So uh, I think the new ownership uh, pairing of Lori and Rodriguez is like continuously looking at ways to improve this organization. Um, and they did it again. And I think I, I don't know exactly how old Michael Grady is. He doesn't look very old. I think he's I, 39. Okay. I was gonna say he looks like mid thirties maybe. So, so he, so I guess, the big name that was floating out there a month, month and a half ago, I think Charlie Walters from the Pioneer oh, yeah. Press said that Gus Johnson was that they had either reached out to him or because in Gus called Wolves games in the 90s when when Gus was in his 30s and rising up through through the ranks. But, you know, I think they were probably big game hunting on that level. I'm guessing they probably reached out to Gus and maybe a couple other big, you know, household name types. Right. Yeah. And maybe Michael Grady was on a short list, but further down. But I kind of like this. I kind of like, you know, find someone that can maybe settle in for the next 10, 15 years. Right. A guy in his 30s who can grow into the city, grow into the roster, grow in with, with Anthony Edwards here. And uh, however long Jim Pete wants to do it because he's one of the best in the business. Yeah. And, you know, the big game hunting thing doesn't necessarily always mean you go get someone, like you said, that's well-established. Um, like the names you dropped. It also could just be 
someone who you've identified as an up and comer. And again, this guy has kind of done it all in the, in the like analyst announcer chair, like all different levels, all different spots in the court and stuff. So I'm really excited. And again, I'm, I'm guessing Jim Pete had a pretty big say in this. Cause again, they're going to, when you when you do that, those two jobs, you're not just coworkers. Like you gotta be friends. I mean, Jim Pete said mm-hmm. that Dave Benz was one of his best friends. So um, I imagine he's, he's on board with this and it should just again, add to the, hopefully add to the viewing experience um, for this upcoming season. Amen. Uh, well, I'm on a minutes restriction here in terms of my COVID <laughs> load management. So do you have any other final uh, Wolves takes or thoughts uh, off this week's sort of notebook episode that we've cobbled together? No, I think so. It's the 25th. Tomorrow's the 26th. That's how calendars work. Uh, I think we're probably a month out exactly from media day. So while we are all doing fancy drafts, like it's going to be here before you know it. And then Media day turns into training camp and then training camp turns into, I think their first preseason game is against the heat on October 4th. So um, I know it's been dry and now we're back, but I think the season is going to be here before we know it. So uh, we'll probably get some jerseys announced soon and maybe a random hire here or there, but we're pretty much, this is the team. This is the group on and off the court. And uh, you got a couple weeks to get ready. Let's uh, let's get it. And you and I are putting our heads together. We're going to have some guests on here yep. in the upcoming weeks, too. And yep. if there's anyone that you guys would like to see us either from the Wolves sphere of potential guests or uh, just the NBA sphere, let us know. Yep. And uh, we can we can effort here. I think the next two months are a good time until once the season starts, man, we're just going to be so full of takes. I know. It's going to be so awesome. You know, we don't want we don't want guests to be sullying our uh, <laughs> our uh, our court for takes here. So. Um, all right, we just want the Timberwolves to win 50 games for the first time in 18 years. 50 is nifty. 50 is nifty. And the other phrases you can help us with uh, out there. And you can always hit us up, too, in the YouTube comment section on the Score North YouTube channel where you can consume this show in visual form. And uh, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, if you could give us a five-star rating and a, a positive raving review on Apple Podcasts, it'll help spread the word about this Wolves community that y'all are helping us build here. So, all right, Kyle, good stuff. I'm going to go back down to my my COVID cave here. safe out there. See you guys next time on Flagrant Howls. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down in the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.